0: Another day, another dollar makes you wonder where your mother went. You can scream and you can holler it really does.
1: Hi folks, this is Jack Spierka with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world the changing times and the things that we can all do to live a better life, if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is episode 266 of the Survival Podcast, um, but I'm actually recording it about a week before you're going to hear it again. I'm once uh, once again out in the wilderness in San Bernardino, California, uh, hanging out with all the guys from uh, Dirt Time and uh, Wilderness Way, but I didn't want to leave you guys without show every day for the entire week that I was gone. So I've been, you know, continuing my series this week with interviews, and we have a great guest with us today. Uh, Eric Shelton from the Handgun Podcast. But before I bring him on, I wanted to go ahead and do our housekeeping. I'll be leaving out the Ass Clowns and Heroes segment again because it's a current events thing, and you know whatever I talk about today will be old news by the time you listen to it. Uh, but I do want to remind you, as always, make sure you're supporting our advertisers. Uh, they all are, again, personal endorsements by me. I do not take an advertiser's money just because they have a check in hand. They have to be somebody that I'm willing to do business with and put my name and my brand next to. They're also vetted by our advertisers on the forum, and, and that's a big thing. And I think I'm the only one that probably does that, and I put that much care into making sure that the people I recommend to you are people that I would recommend to my own family. Uh, today's two advertisers of the day are one, SafeCastle, LLC, uh, or Safe Castle Royal, depending on which one of their sites you go to. Uh, they have an extreme assortment of, of things for the preparedness industry. Sorry, folks, doing two shows today has got me worn out here. But uh extreme assortment of, of, of things for the prepper industry, a great assortment of stuff, 12VDC uh, stuff, and uh, I really recommend you check them out. And remember, if you join the member support brigade, you get a free lifetime membership to their discount club as well. Uh, also, I wanted to point out uh, Directive21.com uh, that specializes in Berkey light water filters. Water is one of the things, folks, if you ain't got it, You know, you're going to die. That's what it really comes down to. We talk about survival every day. Nothing's more important than water. And those guys will make sure that you're able to stay in good, clean water. Because I get all the questions from you guys all the time. How much water should I store? The answer is as much as you possibly can, and it'll never be enough. You've got to have a way to provide water for yourself if you end up in a long-term situation. Uh, next, real quick, want to throw out another invitation, as I've been doing lately. Join the forum. We just crossed 3,000 members uh, this week, in fact, and uh, we're growing and we're getting more and more active people involved. And I want to remind you guys, 3,000 members in our forum are like 3,000 people we don't have any what they call sock puppets on the Internet or anything like that. We have, like, these these Nazi-like moderators, but Nazi-like in a good way. Uh, if you're a spammer or uh, you're just setting up accounts to build links or some kind of nonsense like that, these guys nuke you. So we have over 3,000 real people on the forum that are active and posting. Uh, and last but not least, if you think the show's worth more than 20 cents an episode, consider joining the Member Support Brigade. You'll get exclusive content available only to members. Along with that Safe Castle discount, you will also get... Uh, a variety of publications from James Talmadge Stevens. Uh, total retail value of that is about $64, so it will cover your membership plus a little bit for the first year. And with that, we've wrapped that up, and let's go ahead and introduce our guest today. Again, it's Eric Shelton from the Handgun Podcast, uh, which you can find out more about at, you know funny enough, www.handgunpodcast.com. And I'll tell you, folks, I uh I love podcasts but between doing my own and running a business and everything I don't listen to a lot of shows but Eric's is one that I listen to. I really enjoy it and Eric thank you for being here with us today.
0: Well thanks for having me on. I'm a fan of your show too so it's kind of an honor for me to be here.
1: Well I hopefully I'll live up to that for you. Um but uh again I I'm glad you're here. Just kind of a an intro for folks that maybe haven't listened to your show. Can you tell us a little bit about your show, how long you've been doing, and kind of what it's all about?
0: Uh, My show came about by accident. Uh, I was your typical gun owner, but not NRA member, not very active. I liked to gripe about the situation of our gun rights, but never actually did anything. And uh, I'm kind of embarrassed to say I never joined the NRA until uh, I bought a Remington Shotgun that had a a rebate coupon and a discount and all that, and I thought, well, it's free, so I'll go ahead and do that. Uh, I discovered the Gun Rights Advocates podcast, hosted by Mark Vanderberg. He took submissions for guest episodes. I did one, kind of got addicted to it. I, I discovered I actually had more to say, and when he started soliciting for people to start new podcasts, I timidly raised my hand thinking I would do a half hour every two weeks or so and before I knew it it was weekly and it grew to an hour and then it became YouTube videos um, so it, yeah kind of just an accidental growth but it's something I've become very passionate about
1: and you you've been doing it for it's, it's over a year now isn't it?
0: yeah yeah we uh, we had our year birthday back in June.
1: Cool so you actually started your show right before I did I just had my one year anniversary show. Uh, a few weeks ago, in in late June. So I mean, it was like right in with a week or two of each other. That's kind of cool. I didn't realize it was that it was exactly kind of the same time that we started our show. So that's it's kind of neat. Um, sit. You you you've been doing it what maybe one episode a week or two episodes a week. You're up into like the sixty sixtieth something odd episode.
0: Yeah, every now and then I'll just have too much. I never want to, I don't want to do more than an hour. Ideally, I would go for 40 minutes because the half hour people say, well, it's just a little bit longer. And the hour people are like, well, it's just a little short, you know, so it's it's like a happy medium. Um, it never works out that way, (laughs) but, uh, um, every now and then there'd just be too much, like the NRA convention or, uh, the What was it? The gun rights policy conference. I just got too much to say after something like that. So I'll, I'll do two then. Um cool. I'm not doing daily like you. You're a madman. <laughs> well, I'm stuck
1: in the car every day for over an hour, right? So I got to do something with the tire. Yeah. That's kind of how mine came up, but you know what? There's, there's one question I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to ask you here. Um, that you have to ask every person that you ever bring on a show to talk about guns, especially handguns. So let's go ahead and get that out of the way. And, and you know what it's gonna be. Guy's going out, they're gonna buy his, uh, first gun for concealed carry. Which gun would you recommend and why?
0: Um, the biggest caliber you can control. Oh, gee, that, that, you know, it's too deep now. Okay uh there there used to be a time where i could give you an answer yeah um it's too subjective there are so many different uh like i don't like the xdm for example the grip stippling i like this grip or that grip yeah um and i would say the biggest caliber that you can shoot and control but there are certain calibers and certain gun frame combinations that don't work well together so uh I can't give a blanket recommendation, although I will unashamedly say I absolutely love my Glock 19.
1: Okay. Which is interesting because I had James Jaeger on from Tactical Response about a week and a half ago, and what he said was a totally different answer than yours, but he ended up with the same gun. He said it's a Glock 19 and 9mm, and if you don't like it, you can not like it for whatever reason, but whatever your reason is, you're wrong. (laughs) <laughs> which which I find a little bit close-minded, but that's James. James is very opinionated. He's got his opinions, but, you know...
0: Let- well, one of the reasons he's... hes I'll just go out on a limb here. Uh, with the Glock 19, as opposed to the same frame size in like, a 40 cal, the Glock 40 cals, in general, don't work quite as well. They were scaled up from the original 9mm design. They weren't engineered as a 40. And so every now and then, you get some issues... Uh, because that's that's a frame built on compromises. If you put a frame mounted light on it, you're asking for failures to feed.
1: I see. So that that makes his statements a little bit more clear. It's not so much uh, a statement against the 40 cal as no, around no, it's, it's the platform of the Glock with a 40 it doesn't have that, you know, legendary reliability that like let's say the Glock 19 does.
0: Right. If you nice. want to get a 40, which is a phenomenal round, I would advise you to look into a different, uh, not to be like a gun snob and recommend an H&K, but it was designed to work with the forty. So it was uh, the Springfield M&P and, and a number of others. Great gotcha. ground, don't get into a clock.
1: So what do you think of guys like me that are married to the old ways and have been shooting uh, 1911 since they were 8 years old and just refused to give them up?
0: i have a kimber 1911 locked in my gun safe it's my pretty gun it's my uh, going to church on sunday going to meet and gun and uh there's just something about that trigger that uh, if i can explode a soda can at 50 yards it's it's kind of hard to argue against that
1: yeah yeah it's just uh, I, I don't know about you but to me and i've always put it off on Two things. One I have been shooting since I was eight years old and I'm thirty seven or thirty eight, something like that now. And then the other thing was it was a gun that was built which is kinda of what you were saying about, you know, the uh uh the, the Glock nineteen being engineered for the nine millimeter. The nineteen eleven frame was built to shoot the forty five. That's what that's what its purpose was. Well and the caliber
0: they, was built for the gun as well. I yeah. mean those two were definitely married in their origin.
1: Yeah, so I've got another forty five fan uh there, so there you go, Mr. Yeager. We're going to stick with our 45s. But uh, you know, <laughs> the reason I ask that this is it's a question I get all the time, and I kind of have the same answer you do. If it's reliable, it's comfortable to carry, and you can shoot it well, and it's not, you know, a 25 or something like that, it's probably adequate. And, and I'm a, I'm also a fan of what you kind of said too, with the largest caliber that you can shoot well. It makes me think. I don't. I think it was Wild Bill that said, you know, why do you carry a 45? And he said, because they don't make a 46. Yeah. You know, so I, I kinda feel that way too, but I also think that like a nine mm is definitely sufficient.
0: Um it's it's shot placement more than anything. And uh I mean some people have really compromised and carried a twenty two. Let me tell you, when uh you accidentally get somebody muzzle sweeping you with a twenty two, that bore looks a whole lot bigger.
1: <laughs> I'll tell you what, I do you, do you know about a guy named Peter Capstick. He used to write for uh guns and ammo. I do a, not He's he's old timer. I mean, way back in, in, like he was. His heyday was the 70s and the 80s. And he was also a professional hunter in Africa. And he tells a story in one of his books about a guy that killed an elephant with a tick. And he didn't want to do it. It was it was him and his brother. These guys were basically poachers. And they go out in the bush. And the one guy's got you know like a, a, a 458 Winchester something respectable, a 375. I don't remember what something that was respectable enough to shoot an elephant with. And his brother's got a 22. And they come up with this planet. it almost sounds like a bad, you know, Darwin Awards thing uh, that didn't turn out that way. But the one goes back in the bush, and he's going to just, like, if he sees the elephant shoot it in the butt and chase it out, <laughs> and his buddy's going to shoot it with the elephant gun. So he just, all he sees is gray. So he just fires his shot, and the elephant takes off to the left instead of forward and just runs away. And they're standing there talking to each other and figuring out, well... Maybe we better go do something else. That elephant obviously isn't going to die from that. And all of a sudden they hear a crash and a trumpet, and this elephant's dead. And what had happened is this little slug had just gone through the the, the rib cage, you know, made it between two ribs and pierced the heart and took down an elephant. So I'm not big on you know, 22 for self defense, but you know, with the right shot placement, you're talking about a little solid piece of lead, and if it puts a hole in the right thing, you're going down.
0: Yeah, I would never count on it, but doesn't mean I'm going to let you shoot me with one.
1: Uh, agreed. Um let me ask you something. I I've listened to your show. I've not heard you talk much about hunting. Are are you a hunter at all or
0: I am the world's worst hunter. <laughs> okay. Uh I That's actually not his have answer. I actually have empirical evidence to back it up. <laughs> um here in Arizona, there's uh I can't remember the exact number, but it's like 125,000, maybe it's 225 uh concealed carry permit holders and hunters with very very little uh cross breeding cross uh, pollination let's call it um, i buy a hunting license just to be as absolutely active for second amendment rights as possible uh to be a voice you know as much as like the bean counters are concerned uh i am absolutely marvelously skilled at going out hunting for coyote and finding nothing.
1: <laughs> so you've never done any deer hunting? Because I was going to ask you if you had a recommendation for uh, for a handgun for deer hunters at all.
0: Uh, I don't, and that's, that's one thing that I would really like to be able to get into more is the hunting aspect of handgunning. There are certain parts I know about it, you know, like uh, you want a Thompson Center or a revolver and a respectable cartridge. Um, it's really not my forte, and... Like I said, it's something I would love to break into if only I could find more time.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. And you got a lot of open ground out there in Arizona too. It's a little more challenging for the handgun hunter. I used to hunt a lot, uh, with handguns in Pennsylvania. My, my go-to choice was, a uh, Ruger Red Hawk in 44. And it wasn't really because, like, I went through all the guns and decided that's what I was going to use. It was because that was the gun that my father gave me. So huh? I just, it was like, duh. Okay. Well, that's what I'm going to use for deer hunting. But I'll tell you what, you can, you can do a lot worse than a 44 for deer size game. But you know, one of the other things that I've had a lot of people ask me about, and I like your opinion on this. I heard you kind of speak to it on one of your episodes, but not directly. And I'm sure you have. I just didn't, you know, listen to every episode you've done. But I have a lot of people that say, I've got kids in the house and I want to make sure that my gun is accessible if I need it for home defense. But I'm also concerned that my kids are going to get into it. and I have kind of my view on that. What's your thought on that? That's a common problem that, you know, gun owners have. Keep it on you. That's, yeah, that's my answer. (laughs) Um, You carry it everywhere you go, right? And people think I'm crazy when I say it, like carry your gun in your house. And I'm like, but, okay, you wear it, you know, if if you have an uh, enlightened employer, you take it to work, you take it to the mall, you take it to a football game, you walk through the park with it. What's the difference in just leaving it on your person once you're home?
0: Let's, uh, let's break it down to a much more practical level, like you like to do with, uh, you know, quote unquote survivalism, you know, and you call it preparedness, but, uh, let's just be practical about it. I'm sitting in my living room. My AR-15, which is my, probably my preferred, uh, home defense firearm, is in my bedroom. Guy kicks in my front door. Or uh the back door coming into my kitchen of my apartment. I have to go past him to get to my AR-15. Wouldn't it make a whole lot more sense to have something with me?
1: You mean he, he just, if you said, sir, excuse me, I know you're burglarizing my home right now, but would you please do me the courtesy of allowing me to go upstairs, unlock my gun safe, and get out my gun before we continue? You mean he won't wait for you to do that?
0: Uh, My preferred tactic is to throw him one of those big red kickballs and call a (laughs) do-over.
1: And and that's why I've always recommended that. It's fascinated me that people like take that as being something strange. I had a guy on my forum that, uh, to be fair to him, he's from Australia, so the gun stuff is far. At least he's open-minded enough to be considering this and listening to this, living in a place where it's hard. But to him, it was like, oh, my God, you carry guns in your home. And, 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 again, my thought was exactly what you just said. Uh, if if somebody comes into my house where where I'm at and where he is well wherever my gun is he may be between me and the gun
0: right um it's just let's be practical i'm not walking around with an ar15 slung on my shoulder you know um as much as i might like to walk around thinking i'm a mall ninja yeah uh, realistically when i'm making that peanut butter and jelly sandwich things are going to get in the way you know and it's it's just and that's what I would argue for people who think, oh my god, you carry a gun in your home. Be like, dude, it's not like I'm carrying a long gun or walking around in a tactical vest. I have a 30 ounce pistol or whatever on my hip because that's where it goes.
1: Absolutely. And to me, it's actually like, if I come home from, from, from a day out and I've been carrying, it would actually be an inconvenience. To, to have to disarm and go put my gun away other than to just continue doing what I'm doing. And I think that's, that's maybe a, t- a point where maybe people that, that have that issue, that the first thing they do when they come on is put their gun away, is maybe they're not carrying the right gun or with the right holster or the right way, and they're not comfortable. Um, and I think that's an important thing, too, is to make sure that you're carrying kind of in a comfortable way. So you carry a Glock, a Glock 19. What's your holster of choice for that?
0: Uh, believe it or not, I don't have a dedicated holster for it right now. Really? Um, I've I just recently put on a TLR one uh frame mounted light on it. Uh, the reason for doing that is not because I think I'm doing entry teams or anything with a SWAT team, but now I've got a flashlight and my pistol in one hand, and should I need to call nine one one, I have a whole other hand to do that with. Gotcha. Um, I have a uh an excuse for a bug out bag from uh, a maker that I don't want to trash on uh, on air, so I won't say anything. But uh, they do have kind of a, a universal holster in there. That kind of works. I use it more as a range bag. Uh, I've actually got a really great pair of Carhartt jeans, and I will carry my keys on a carabiner clipped to a belt loop, and I'll drop the Glock in my pocket. Gotcha. So cool. uh, There are a number of holsters I'm looking at. Raven Concealment. Uh, Blade Tech, both of those make excellent holsters if you've got a frame-mounted light. Um, and I've got something like four different holsters from my 1911.
1: Have you ever so, tried a pager, pal, in, or do you even know what I'm talking about there?
0: Um, you know in the 90s maybe it would have worked better? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs>
1: well, now they call it a cell phone, pal, right? Right, yeah. I yeah. was going to
0: say, you see a pager these days, and you're like, dude, you are so 2002. Yeah. Uh. I have heard of them. People were ranting and raving about them at the NRA convention this last year. Um, I am—I'll be perfectly honest. Need to lose about ten pounds, and IWB is just not going to work for me right now.
1: Got you, got you. I, what I found with that is the people that own them. And it, it, I don't. If somebody's never tried something. Then, then their opinion on it doesn't mean a lot to me. Exactly. Uh, but people that have actually either owned them or at least like you know been to a, a place where somebody's selling them and, and tried them out, I found that people either love them or they hate them. And uh, I'm one of these people. I bought one. I loved it. And over time, I stopped loving it. I really can't tell you why, but it just it seemed imme- immensely comfortable, especially with like a full frame gun like a 1911. It seemed very, very comfortable at first, and then all of a sudden it just seemed like first of all I felt like kind of a you're like, who wears their cell phone hanging in the front of their belt like that? It just kind of didn't look right. <laughs> uh, but, but they are comfortable. I mean, I've had a lot of people ask about those too. Um I know you're also a fan of the 22. What's, what's kind of your favorite platform for, you know, just planking with the 22?
0: Are we talking handgun or long gun? Handgun. Ruger. Ruger. Doesn't, ma- doesn't matter what flavor it's in. Whether it's a single six or a Mark II or a Mark III. Um There's nothing wrong with a Beretta Neos or a Browning Buckmark or uh, even a Smith & Wesson Twenty Two a despite the fact that they just had a recall. I'm a Ruger kid. It's what I grew up with, and I have just never had more fun.
1: They're a great gun. I've got an old Mark, too, very old, back, you know, when the the sights, actually the pin fell out of sight and until I got parts for it. I had it fixed with a paper clip, Um, but... (laughs) That gun, I've had uh, folks out that I've worked with never really shot a handgun before, and 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 done a little work with them, and had them, you know, sitting down with it braced between the knees, uh, knocking um, skeet out fifty yards away with you know skeet up on a on a, a bank, uh, with people that had never shot a handgun before. So it's a very easy gun to learn to shoot. It's, yeah. it's one of my favorites. I, it, it's it's. It's also something, i mean you're not much of a hunter, i guess but I love to actually hunt with that kind of squirrels and rabbits it's uh it's a tag driving little platform
0: uh if squirrel and rabbit count as hunting <laughs> i just figured that was the most i was capable of uh-huh then uh yeah i absolutely i absolutely love a twenty two and i've taken several squirrel with cool. uh with a ruger twenty two
1: cool um so Let's talk a little bit. I was listening to one of your shows recently, and you were talking about some non-lethal options.
0: Uh, it's something I'm starting to explore. Okay. Uh, whether it's a, a ballpoint pen or a crazy expensive ballpoint pen from Surefire Benchmade or even a funny key ring. Um, what's that, a Kubaton?
1: Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about.
0: Uh I don't know how to use one effectively. I'll be the first to admit. The last martial arts training I took was almost fifteen years ago uh because I was getting picked on from a bully in high school. You know. Um, and that's something that if you're gonna look at a kubaton, I would really recommend uh the listener or whoever does look at taking some actual training, learn how to use it. There are methods and applications and uh you want to be able to use it effectively. I've also been looking at pepper spray, mostly because I don't tend to carry around that will stop a bear. And uh, I'm not scared of much, but clowns and bears, you know, that and uh, <laughs> people, yeah, I tended to look down on mace because I thought, you know, I'm a strong enough guy. I can fight somebody, and if I can't, then I go to the gun. Mm-hmm. If all you have is a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. There are times that you don't need mace or don't need a pistol. Mace would do. And quite frankly, in my instance, mace would be far more effective against Mountain Lion or Bear up on uh, Mount Lemmon just north of here. So it's something I'm looking into. The thing to consider is if you have a less lethal option on you and you opt for the pistol, you may have to defend that choice in court.
1: Exactly. Why didn't you use your less lethal option? Right. Which I might simply say, what less lethal option? I didn't have one, but I'll tell you what, the mace (laughs) in particular, I have, I have a a couple suggestions on that. One, I do recommend that you carry it. Um, I kind of thought the same way you did, Eric, and I wasn't going to carry, you know, mace or pepper spray. And then we had some things go on in my neighborhood. And my son's not old enough to carry it, and I wanted him with a little mace thing on his keychain, I wanted my wife to do it, and neither one of them wanted to do it, so I thought, the hell with it, I went out and bought three of them. And I said, well, if I'm carrying it, y'all carry it. And then that worked, so they did it. And then, about a month after that, we went to my bug out location up in Arkansas, my, my place up there, and we took a walk down the road, and we walked down past a couple of the neighbors' houses, and we're all way spread out there, and we got to about the third house, about a mile away from where we live. And these folks had a pit bull and she ran out and she was, she was about, I would say, a half an inch from getting a face full of it. Yeah, I actually
0: remember you telling this story. Yeah.
1: And if I I had, if I had not had that spray and she took another step, my only choice would have been to shoot her. And I really didn't want to go to one of my neighbors, especially out in a place like that, and go, I'm sorry I shot your dog because you tried to bite me when I walked by the front of your house. Now I would have been happy to say, look, you need to learn to control your dog, and you need to wash your eyes out. And it gave me that option. I also think that the only reason that dog didn't attack us is that I had so much confidence that, hey, if you come another step, you're getting it then right. You know, a dog will respond to that. If you're confident and you stand your ground, they'll generally stay back. But if you give it all, especially a dog like a pit bull that's aggressive, you know they're going to come at you. And, and I think that's the only reason I was able to hold that dog off psychologically is because I knew, hey, I can do this, and I didn't have a misgiving for a second where I might have got bit before I would have shot her, honestly, because then I would have been able to right. say, look, here, I've been bit, I had to shoot her. I really didn't want to shoot her. And, and i never thought about that before well, and that
0: happened. That's, that's almost the perfect instance to bring up. I don't know if you're familiar with the Harold Fish case. He's a gentleman here in Arizona who carried a 10-millimeter pistol. Uh, a bad defense in the 10 millimeters, ultimately why he went to jail for a few years before his case got overturned. But uh he was out walking around hiking, and two dogs uh charged him, much like your case. Now, he fired warning shots uh he did fire at the ground they broke off their pattern of attack but the fact that he fired brought the dog's owner coming to attack him really and and so all of a sudden just it became a matter of escalation mhm and uh beyond Harold fish's case this young man was was younger stronger Harold fish was a retired school teacher uh this man was carrying a screwdriver like he was going to shiv Mr fish got you um but you know, and then I don't think Mr. Fish did anything wrong. I do think that an instance where the pepper spray, uh, hurting the attention and not firing a gunshot, escalating the, yep. the dog's owners, you know, I mean, there's something to be said for it.
1: Yeah, because there's, there's a couple of things there. One, he could have warded off the dogs with it. He'd have been long gone before the guy even knew that anything had happened. And with two, even if the guy would have come out there, well he have spray if the guy's got a, a screwdriver and you hit him in the face with uh, some good 10 percent uh, uh, capsaicin spray it, it, it'll shut him down. Uh, trust me from someone that's trained with it and actually have allowed myself to be sprayed with it, it will shut you down I mean you can you can still function but you don't function well at all
0: yeah now uh, real quickly you mentioned the ten percent thing do you tend to go by the percentage or do you buy your stuff based on these Scoville heat units?
1: I go with the 10% uh, uh, pepper spray, and the only reason I do that, it was recommended to me by my brother-in-law, who's a Grand Prairie police officer, and he said that's what they carry. And, okay. and that's the only reason I do that. I've also, I've been using um, kind of like a foaming agent, and I've been given some advice not to do that because at times a person that you might use it on, um, this is more of a law enforcement thing uh, because they deal with these close-quarter situations. They're actually trying, like, you should be using it to get away where a police officer might be using it to apprehend, but this was the advice some police officers have given me. You you spray them with that foam stuff, and it shuts them down, but the first thing that they tend to do is grab it and fling it at you. Right. And if you spray them with a juice, they're not going to be able to pull that off. The other thing I want to advise people, if you're carrying this stuff, test it occasionally, spray it at a tree, um... It does have a, a, a life span that it eventually will exceed and it won't work anymore. And we've since I first bought those, uh, first three had to replace them. You'll get to a point where you go to spray them instead of getting that good solid 12 foot stream or 10 yard stream, you know, it'll kind of peter out and you want to make sure that you're, um replacing it before that happens. And until I saw it happen, I didn't get how quickly it could go from, you know, it's good and solid stream to just kind of, you know, I would say every four to five months, honestly, I'd replace the can after what I've seen happen.
0: See, I would replace it probably annually, but I wouldn't test it. I don't see any need to uh, to discharge what little effectiveness is in that little thing.
1: Yeah. Like, that's-, that's what I thought, too, until I tested it. It didn't work. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> well, gee, I'd... Glad I know this doesn't work now, because uh, I'd hate to be in a situation like with that dog where I'm relying on it, and then the dog goes <laughs> and lunges and I push it and like it comes two inches out and falls to the ground, and I'm like trying to fling it on the animal. Um, right. So I would recommend testing it. And all every uh, every thing I've ever purchased always has in the instructions to occasionally test it. I think they get oh, a okay. little with how often to test it. They say like test it every. I think one of them said like every 14 days, and I'm like, okay, well I'll be replacing this in a month yeah yeah
0: um, i 'm going more with the typical guy thing. Hey, yeah. instructions you want me yes. to read those <laughs> yeah. Nah.
1: so yeah, I mean and I just recently had someone ask um, last actually it was this week, I think um, about uh, bear problems, and I' made the same recommendation. then I listened to your episode on uh, uh, where you were talking about non lethal and the bear spray, and uh, one of the things I found out and it 's like you just go states like California and New Jersey, what are these people thinking? It is illegal to have a container of pepper spray in New Jersey. I think it's greater than half an ounce. And of course, really? the, yeah. And the, and the bear spray is you know these big giant cans. And I think there's a loophole there because it's for animal use. It's not for human use. But uh,
0: the bear spray and even uh, specialty dog spray is a much much lower percentage of capsaicin than for humans it's typically 10 percent for humans for dogs i think it's two percent and for bear it might only be 0.5
1: really and i wonder why that is you would think you'd want more for a a big giant bear with teeth and claws that wants to eat you
0: well can you smell food a mile away like they can that's true
1: there you go there's your answer if you can smell it this is the same thing i guess with how uh, sounds that wouldn't bother your ears will hurt a dog's ears because they right. have a greater sensitivity So I know you're a big a big proponent of gun rights. What would you say to the person out there that hasn't joined the NRA yet?
0: Uh, do your damn part. (laughs) (laughs) No,
1: um, tell us how you really feel, Eric. (laughs)
0: Hey, you know what? I'm not on my show. I can uh, relax a little bit. I've heard you on your rants. Oh yeah, you (laughs) can
1: go nuts here, buddy. You have free reign. Go ahead. (laughs)
0: no um that's actually part of the reason why i 'm doing like the six percent project, which i 'm not going to get into and, and proselytize on your show but um I would say uh we need every n r a member there is there's stuff with the n r a that i don't agree with um I'm not really willing to say that in public or say what the specific issues are because I don't want to discredit them or have anyone say, well, see, see. Yeah, yeah. The, the fact of the matter is they are the number one organization. And when an anti-gun politician is going to look at the opposition, they're not looking to uh, any of the smaller organizations. They want to know who's actually mobilized, who's the big dog, and I, I need to give added strength to that big dog.
1: Agreed. I, I can say the same thing. There's There's been some things they've done, and, and I'm with you. I'm not going to point them out and give anybody any ammunition that I went, well, I don't agree with that. But, I mean, I also look at that this way. We have to focus on uh, working with organizations and people that we have the most in common with. And I, I get emails from people every day, Jack, I love your show, and it almost always includes the next sentence, I don't agree with everything you say. And and my response to that usually is that's because you're an independent human be- being with a brain that uses it. So right. I'm not going to agree with anything that anybody does all the time, but they are the people that are always there standing up for our rights. And, and I'm in agreement, uh, one thing with the NRA, uh, to a huge degree. The Second Amendment is not so much a constitutional right. It's a civil right. It's a human right.
0: Agreed, yeah.
1: It, it's It's about the fact that... We have a right to defend ourselves, and, and that was part of the foundation of our country. And to me, the I've said this before on my show, but the, the Constitution doesn't grant us that right. It protects it.
0: Right. And that's a um, huge difference. There's a quote that I'm going to have to paraphrase here. I don't know it exactly, but it's something in reference to uh, the most despicable act the British have committed was disarming of uh, these so-and-so citizens. And when I've got the quote right, I love to phrase that, and then I ask people, I say, who said it? Was it Thomas Jefferson, Mahatma Gandhi, Paul McCartney, or, and just pick a third figure. And they'll go with the historical figures, mm-hmm. uh, because they would never imagine that Gandhi would say such a thing. You know, because everyone knows him for being a pacifist, but Gandhi even thought that his people, you know, in, in India, needed the right to self protection. It's not. Uh, it's not a right-wing crazy thing. No, it's it's not uh anything that you. It's a civil right. It is a human necessity. You know, um, what animal in the animal kingdom doesn't defend their young? You know, I mean, it, you pick on a a bear cub, you're gonna have the mama bear.
1: Absolutely. And, and what left le- what left wing liberal nut job would put the mama bear down for defending her cubs? Right, not a single one of them. They would say you should die because you got in the way of the mama bear and her cub. You shouldn't even do so. They give the bear the right to defend itself, and then turn around and say that you and I, as as citizens, should give up that same inalienable right. And, and I am, you know, I'm I, I, part of why I brought you on the show, and I brought James on recently, is I don't talk about guns a lot on the survival podcast. And the big reason I don't do that is because there's so many great shows like yours out there with information like that. So I'm trying to fill another niche. But I'm a huge advocate of this stuff. And I think it's important that we understand something. Uh, and I don't do a lot of politics either. I do little snippets here and there. But this is an important one that I don't think people get. If you set a precedent that something like the Second Amendment can be put on a shelf, then the the other nine don't stand a chance in hell. Right. Right, Because one is equivalent to the other and all the people that say, well, the people and the militia are two different things uh, will quickly change their tune the day we lay the Second Amendment down and say, oh, all of these things are up for grabs now.
0: Um, it goes back to the argument of people not really understanding the English uh, or uh, the way people spoke back when the Constitution was written. The militia is the population. Well regulated does not mean regulation like we think of today. That language has been redefined. Well regulate, a well regulated gentleman was a well dressed, well equipped gentleman. He had himself, uh, in good order. So if you change the well regulated militia to mean what was more intended of a well equipped population, the shall not be infringed at the end makes a whole lot more sense.
1: And then we start debating where the comma went, and the people means the people everywhere except there. It's it's ludicrous that we would even have to have this conversation, but unfortunately we do because it's been attacked almost since the day it was written. Uh, Thomas Jefferson himself was heard to say one time, who is the militia? I will tell you it is the whole of the people. Now, the only reason the man would have to say that is because even when he was still around, somebody was already attacking it. Taking right. away people's arms is, predates the gun. Taking away people's arms goes back to taking away their sword.
0: Yeah. No, it, it really does. Uh, I believe it was the samurai that were forcibly disarmed in feudal Japan.
1: You're correct.
0: Um, yeah, how's that one for pulling it out of my, uh. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Good job, Eric. Well. Thank you. Well, you know, so I, and I want to turn this into a political discussion. But I I think it's important to people, and and I do tell people, you know, join the NRA, be part of the NRA. And I often hear the – and that's why I asked you the question, because I know where you are on this. And I do hear the objection, but they did this at this one particular time. And I'm like, you know, come on, guys. We've got to have somebody that's out there looking out for us. So, you know, thanks for your support of America, and I'll continue to support them. And to anyone out there –
0: Oh, I was just going to say, for anyone who doesn't want to join the NRA, consider what you spend on one trip to the range, especially with ammo costs these days, and tell me that you can't use that for a year of helping to be someone who's willing to say, I'll stand up and defend our Second Amendment freedoms.
1: Now, one thing I'll tell you from personal experience, if you make the commitment and become a lifetime member just to be honest, they will not stop asking you for money. In fact, they will ask you for more money if you do that. But, you know, I was willing to step up and do that. And that's something I'd say, if you, and I mean, I'm huge on, you know, making sure your debt's gone and things like that. But if you're in a place in your life where you can do it, I recommend even doing that.
0: Um, I, uh, I just cut my lifetime membership check to cool. the NR. Uh, I was an Easy Pay Life member, and you know, if you've listened to the show, you might have heard me. I'm kind of uh, following your lead on this with the Be Debt Free. Uh, it's not really that it was a debt with the Easy Pay Life thing, but it was kind of an obligation. So I thought, you know what, let's just go ahead and knock that out.
1: Meet the obligation. I, yeah. You know what? I wish more people would look at their debts and say that's an obligation. I really wish more people would do that because a lot of the problems that we have today are because people looked at debt and said that's not an obligation; it's a burden. And and, I mean, we're way off the topic of guns at that point, but (laughs) you just—you just made me think of that when you
0: said that. I I wish. Well, I'll bring it. I'll bring it right back around. While it is an obligation and a burden, once it's off your back, you're free to do a whole lot more with buying ammo, or going to training courses, or buying a new gun if that's your thing.
1: Have you, uh, have you gotten into reloading at all?
0: I have not yet. Uh, I'll wait until I build my secret bunker out there in Texas.
1: (laughs) Well, come on down, Eric. We could use more folks like you here, and anytime you do, man, I'll buy you a beer, and, uh, you might even poke around in Arkansas. I'll tell you for land value. And I, the people that live there that listen to my show keep telling me, shut up, quit telling people. But <laughs> Arkansas and Missouri are the two states that are left that you can get a really nice piece of land and be able to go out your back door and shoot a gun without having the sheriff show up and, uh, without having to, uh, be in debt for the, you know, 30 years to do it. Uh, there's real no value out there.
0: I just want some place green after growing up in Arizona for so long, you know? I did my time in the Air Force. I came back here. I'm just done with the desert. Gotcha. <laughs> you know.
1: And you you're in the you're in the Air Force Reserve now? Uh the Guard. The Guard, that's right.
0: Cool. Which I should I should throw out a disclaimer, uh the Guard in no way endorses my program or your program <laughs> or any foolish thing I may say in public.
1: Gotcha. Well, hey, uh, I do appreciate you being on the show today. Do you want to tell folks a little bit about your show itself and just how they can find you and uh, how they can listen to you and download your show and things like that?
0: Uh, well, obviously, handgunpodcast.com. Uh, I'm on iTunes, Zoom. You can go to gunrightsradio.com, part of the Gun Rights Radio Network. Uh, are we drawing the show to a close? Because there are a couple of things I wanted to say real quickly before we do.
1: Absolutely. We're drawing to a close, but we're not on live radio here. You got all the time you need, Eric. Go ahead.
0: Okay. Uh, I will try to be brief. When we were emailing back and forth and I was asking what you wanted to talk about, one of the things you were saying was, uh, you know, concealed carry for preppers, discussion of, uh, platforms, caliber choices, and everything. But you, you were specific about from a prepper point of view. Yep. And I've been listening to your show long enough now that you do have a very practical, uh, bent to your show. You know, you talk about debt free, work on yourself, then your family, then your neighborhood, then your region, you know, for, for disaster preparedness. And I would tell people that it's not all that dissimilar when it comes to, uh, your firearms. This isn't a I'm a shooter thing or I'm a prepper thing. Carrying a gun, especially carrying concealed, is a matter of preparation. Uh, I'm sure most of us have seen tremors. You know, I'm not talking about the, uh, the bullets, beans, and band-aids. Like, you know, I, what was his name? Bert? In the cellar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's, that's not my focus. And if you've only got three firearms, but you know how to use them, then you're good. You know, and, and you don't need an arsenal. I, even if, it's uh one of those the end of the world as we know it things i think we tend to focus on that or some people think of us as being of that mindset because that's the one with the most sex appeal that's the one with the most uh sellable angle
1: sure the hollywood factor
0: yeah exactly and that's not what it is it's like you say uh just be prepared for yourself for your family on a practical level i i try my best to be a cynical pragmatist or a practical cynic, you know whichever <laughs> um, and it's hard for me sometimes I mean I, I love the tricked out friggin ultimate tactical AR stuff uh, but you got to get grounded back in reality. and when you start carrying a concealed weapon, the other easy thing to do from the shooting community, kind of like the uh, the end of the world as we know it, people in the prepper community, is to say, uh, the mall shootings or the school shootings, if someone was carrying concealed, they could have stopped it. Sure. Um, that's not why I carry. If I'm in a mall and a shooting starts, I'm not stopping that guy. I'm making sure that me and mine can get out safely. That's my obligation. You know, Jack, you're a great guy, but I'm not going to uh, put my life on the line for you. I'm not going to interject for any of the listeners here. It's up to them to be prepared to, you know. But again, that's not why we carry. We carry for the simple everyday stuff. Uh, the muggings, the carjackings, the random crime because you happen to be in a stop and rob when someone else came in and decided to rob it. It's not for the mass media stuff. It's not for the, uh, the Hollywood factor. It's for the everyday. Um, that's what i would say is why we carry um people get bent out on that and start thinking of the uh the bigger news stories you know cuz come on who hasn't seen die hard sure who doesn't want to be john mcclane you know um i have been known to carry just two rounds and tape it to my back just in case <laughs> but uh now in all seriousness that's what i would say you carry a practical firearm because you're a practical person.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, there's, there's, there's wisdom in the simplistic line of thought that we've lost in the last 50 years. I, I was always big on authors. I mentioned uh, Capstick earlier. Another guy I read as a child and dreamed about going to Africa one day, uh, as I read his work, was a guy named Robert Rourke. And in his book, Use Enough Gun, he has a statement beware the man that carries
0: one just gun just one gun he probably knows how to use it
1: yep yep and that guy the guy that carries one gun and knows how to use it effectively is more dangerous be it man or beast than the guy with a locker full of firearms uh that you know that maybe he's fired each one uh, half a dozen times
0: yeah uh my last couple thoughts real quickly uh you asked about ammunition choices you know what, caliber and everything, get what suits you. Pay attention to the load. Pay attention to what type of bullet you're actually using. But uh, there are a number of great calibers out there. I'm not going to advocate one over another. Uh, the Uh re- For a prepper, let's just go into the end of the world as we know it uh, for half a second. I like a Glock not just because of its durability and reliability, but because I can get parts for it and do all the work myself. Gotcha. Um. That's that's my reasoning for getting a Glock. If somebody gets a, a a Springfield or a Smith & Wesson, they're absolutely great guns as well. Don't think because somebody says they carry a Glock or they carry a Sig that uh that you have to it that you have a lesser gun. Almost any gun on the market will outshoot and outperform a flawed human shooter anyway. Absolutely. So, uh and I think that's pretty much it. I, I think that's what I really wanted to say. I was scrambling to get notes, so I would sound well-spoken on your show here. <laughs>
1: well, you've done a great job, Eric, and again, thank you for being here. And, folks, I'll tell you what. I bet you I can strong-arm Eric and get him to come back on the show sometime, maybe next month. So if you have some questions that you would like specifically to for me to have Eric on and have him answer... Shoot me an email, com, and I'll bend his arm a little bit and see if I can't bring him back on because, Eric, it's been one of the best shows I've ever done.
0: Hey, you know what? Anytime I get to sit around and... Uh... Take a break while I'm talking and just drink some coffee while you go on. That's a good show in my book.
1: All right. Well, hey, again, thank you uh, for being here today. And, again, folks, check out Eric's podcast. Like I said, I don't listen to a lot of shows, uh, but Eric's is one that I make time uh, to listen to. I usually listen to him while I'm at work uh, putting together a website or something like that. It's always entertaining, and you can find his show, again, at www handgunpodcast.com, and as he mentioned, he is part of the Gun Rights Network, and hey, let me be uh, clear with a civil service announcement today. Join the NRA, support gun rights, because if you don't, who's going to do it? And with that, I'll go ahead and sign off. And again, folks, I'm out in the wilderness right now. Actually, by now, I'm probably out on Santa Catalina Island floating in the blue Pacific. Uh, But even though I'm doing that now, uh, we make sure that you had shows throughout the week. And I'll I'll ask you to do this. Keep on living that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't.